Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Klug, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe runs just just doing that small town pastor work, meaning that he's in Portland for the week. Probably probably taking some meetings with Harvest House, you think? Uh, some, some exciting new Harvest House business in the works? It's possible. I mean, it. you know, when a small town guy goes to the big city, you never know what's going to happen. Hijinks yeah. ensue. It's a little yeah. overwhelming. I've been to Portland. It is, it's, a, it's an exceptionally weird city. And uh, yeah. I have to imagine that's just shocking to his small town sensibilities. Oh, I for sure. Just pearl clutching and horrified at all of the debauchery going on around him. Yeah, kind of a Mr. Smith goes to Washington vibe. You know, just that he's probably wearing overalls and, and just just being that humble small town guy, completely overwhelmed by what he's seeing. Yeah. So Try, trying to figure out why his corn cob pipe smells like tobacco and everybody else's smells like <laughs> another plant. <laughs> exactly. Shout out Ronald, just doing the Lord's work out there. God bless that kid. Um, you know, thoughts and prayers. Hopefully he gets that that next book deal from Harvest House. We'll see how it goes for him. But Piper, we are here in the studio doing radio, doing our radio program, um, as as we always do. And I I have a question for you. And it's related to birthdays in middle age. And we'll get to that right after this quick break. But look around you, your family, your faith. They're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung hero of for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. All right, Pipe. So full disclosure, we're taping this on March 15. Today is my birthday. And I turned 47 today. And I feel like for the last decade or so, my only expectation for my birthday has been to try to navigate through the day unscathed. Meaning not even to have a good day, but just to not have a bad day. Um, and as Bad luck, providence, whatever we're calling it, would have it. This week has just been a gut punch. Like, bad news on Monday, bad news on Tuesday. I shudder to think what will happen today on my actual birthday. Um, my question to you is, what are your expectations like for birthdays, like in this stage of life? Oh, man. <clears throat> so I turned 40 at the end of the month. So I'm I'm coming up on, I mean, I statistically i'm i'm on the front end of middle aged right now i think 40 yeah. is like you are like it is it is the half life of life yeah. you know yeah. and uh so 
Yeah, it, and it, but 40 is a weird one because there's all these massive like, oh, are you doing anything big? And I'm like, why? To celebrate that my life is half over? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. totally follow here. Um, I, I basically, my preference would be to go through life pretending that birthdays don't exist. Mm. You know? Talk about that. They're, well, like, they're not different than any other day. You right. know, it's, it, it, completes, it completes an arbitrary measurement of time saying yeah. you you know you, you you've arrived but every day does that like you know just yeah. depending on where your starting point is and so it, it doesn't feel to me like an accomplishment or yeah. a or you know anything like I, I understand why my wife wants to celebrate my birthday mm. that's that kind of makes sense to me why should i want to celebrate my birthday is the question and i yeah. don't have a good answer to that so i don't yeah. feel I don't feel negative towards them. I kind of don't feel anything towards them. And when you don't feel anything towards something, it's really hard to get sort of excited and geeked up about it. Yeah. I I would say I'm with you. I don't think I feel anything either other than just kind of a vague sense of I don't want anything bad to happen, you know? And if something bad does happen, I feel kind of ripped off by it, Um, which... as the years go by, I'm realizing how fundamentally a ridiculous position that is, you know, because to your point, the day is no different. Now, what would move the needle to me is if by some like stroke of legislation or whatever, you're allowed to stay home from work on your birthday. Like if you can just kind of disconnect from work and it's understood that this is what everybody does, I think that would make it feel like a birthday. Um, or at least like improve the chances of having a good day. Um, but I mean, nobody really goes to work anymore anyway. I mean, half the country is like working from their pajamas. So maybe this isn't even a, uh, a category that's worth talking about, but yeah, well, um, like, okay, well let's expand that category. Yeah. Out. What's the, what is a, uh, what's a birthday perk that would be worth it for an adult? Cause yeah, like, I mean, I, I have enough flexibility in what I do. You know, I work at a church yeah. and so like I don't have nine to five office hours. I just you're sort of constantly on, but you can step away if you need to. So yeah. like not doing something on my birthday for work is relatively easy unless it's like a Sunday. Um, yeah. And so what is the perk that goes, OK, like that? That's nice. Is it an additional vacation day you get to claim at your leisure? Is it money? Yeah. Is it like, what? What it, it's certainly not like. Hey, everybody, gather around in the break room, and we're gonna have cupcakes. Like that. That is the opposite of a birthday celebration to me. That's that's just ru- <laughs> yeah. ruination of work, which I enjoy, and and forced fun, which I hate. So, well, yeah. yeah, no, thank you. And it's one of those like forced chit chat moments, you yeah. know, because when you're in that break room, as long as you're in there, you're doing like, how was your week? How's work? You know, you're you're getting that grade of chit chat in, which is yeah, all the questions that nobody actually cares about the answers to. Yeah, exactly, dude. Maybe I have, I have a a less ridiculous one and a more ridiculous one. Maybe on your birthday, just like I don't know, one to three people pay you a compliment. Like if that happened today, I would be delighted. You know, just like. Two or three people saying something nice about you. Like, I'll take that. That's a, that's a, nice, a nice little birthday perk. Um, it, or maybe whatever the most unpleasant part of your like, work life is, you get to not do that for a day. Um, uh, yeah. 
I like. Or you get like a hall pass on that stuff for whatever day you don't want to do it. Because like, yeah, this year my birthday falls on a Friday, which is yeah. my my day off, generally speaking. And so I would like to take that that perk and throw it down on like a Tuesday, which is a heavy meeting day and go, yeah, I don't I don't want to talk about budgets today. I'm yeah. using my birthday hall pass. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, some kind of birthday vocational hall pass to get out of an unpleasant thing. That would be solid, dude. That'd be really solid. And then maybe the, the, the person or two paying you a compliment. That, that would feel really delightful. Yeah. So that, there it is, but, man. But not in a public way. Not like no. where it's like in front of everybody, just like a conversation where they, they speak kind words to you and, and lift you up a little bit. Yeah, like, hey, you know, I yeah. really appreciate your, your whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that'd be amazing, dude. Oh, by the way, that reminds me when we get off the air, I've got a hilarious publishing story to tell you. It, it was <laughs> part of the gut punch that has been this week, but you'll find it humorous, but I can't oh, tell it on the air. Um, <laughs> I, I, I look forward to hearing it. I have, I have yeah. one other birthday question. Um, yeah. so, you know, my kids are teenagers now. Teenagers, when it comes to gift giving, A, are not great at it because they tend to think about what they would want, not what somebody else would want. Yeah. And B, they, you know, they just live in an entirely different reality space than adults. And so yeah. for me, getting the same thing for my birthday every year is great. You know? Yeah. Um, something like if 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 I got like a bottle of bourbon that I enjoy and tickets to a baseball game, although baseball game tends right. to be more Father's Day. Yeah, I every year, and I was just like, I never have to wonder what I'm going to get. I just yeah. know it's this and this. I would be thrilled, dude. That my actually kids, sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really amazing. My kids are horrified at that idea. All right, because they want to be like, creative. They want to stretch their legs. That's boring, a and I'm like, no, yeah. creativity <laughs> is is where you make mistakes. That's right. That's right. And, and oh. also, like, I don't. I don't need anything, not because I'm wealthy, but because like, I'm just content. I don't, I don't need no new toys. You know, they can't afford the stuff that I do want. You know, like I want a new yeah. Blackstone, uh, griddle, but those yeah. are a good ones, you know, somewhere between three and like $800. My kids can't right. buy that for me. So, um, yeah, I'm just like, it, go in together and, and I, I would take a twins hat every year. I would take baseball <laughs> tickets every year. Yep. And yep. I would take a bottle of bourbon, which, you know, they would need to get some help to, to purchase. Sure. And, uh, and, and they're like, oh, that sucks. What yeah. a, and then they throw out all these ideas. And I'm like, oh, I hate all of those ideas. I don't want any of those things you just suggested. You know, yeah. gift cards to this new hip clothing store. No, 100% no, not doing it. That's Ronnie's right. gift. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, how, how do you, what, what is your stance towards gifts as a middle-aged man? Yeah, it's funny, man. Like... And I say this with all due affection and, and regard for my two boys. And they're boys, you know. So I, I think the calculus is a little different for boys. They probably remember my birthday 30% of the time. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I saw Maxim this morning. Maxim's a sophomore in high school. Uh, and he's a delightful guy. I know that he loves me. I know it beyond it. He would lay down his life for me, truly. But, like... You know, he he navigated through the morning with me completely unaware that it was my birthday, um, which is fine. And I'm, I'm having lunch with Tristan today. I always every Wednesday we work out and we get lunch together and um, he, he may or may not remember. But it, it's it's funny, like I, I with both of them, 
again, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they really care for me. Um, but I just think in the world of guys, and I'm like this too, like, I don't know my guy friend's birthdays. Like, I really don't, you know? But I, but I, I really, I think all my guy friends feel like, you know, I really care for them and, and like them. And, you know, so they're, they, they don't question that. But, like, I'm not sending, like, the happy birthday text to my guy buddies. Um, just because I don't know and I really don't care. Um, it's, it's not something and, we talk and about. And you don't expect them to remember or care, so it's all fair. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that to me, is one of the gifts of, I don't know, the, the kinds of friendships that we have where you know, we just kind of talk about the things that we care about and, you know, the, the, the birthday thing kind of goes by the wayside. So I would say regarding gift giving, my boys are both pretty good and it usually falls into that, like, you know, twins hat. Sometimes they'll just get me like an NFL draft magazine and some candy. And I'm like, great, this is really fun. You know, um, that magazine costs like 12 bucks off the rack and I, w- I would have never done that for myself, but I'll enjoy flipping through it, you know? Yeah, they just um, they just gave you like three hours of enjoyment, which is totally about like a baseball game. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would say they do pretty good and they they know me really well. You know, they they know what what I enjoy and kind of what I like and and like Tristan's at an age now where like he'll he'll get me a really nice cigar. You know, because we we do the cigar room thing together and, you know, he'll smoke with me. And man, there, there's nothing better than that. Like an hour with my kids smoking a cigar, talking about life like that's almost the greatest gift anyone could give me. So um, so I, I would very much be down for stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if he remembers. It'll be it'll be interesting. But but no hard feelings, if not. Um, Pipe, let's take another break. And then I've got like a little a little coda to our millennial conversation from last week. One more thing to run by you. We'll be back after this quick break. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists. The way we measure time social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, Pipe, we're back. We've kind of been doing this thing where we've been talking about generations or 
kind of groups of people. We talked about Gen Z a couple of weeks ago. We talked about millennials uh, last week. I assume we'll talk about Gen X at some point. Um, my question in, to you in, is... In true Gen X fashion, we should just not talk about them. And uh, yeah. that way they will all feel justified in being forgotten. Yeah, we could be we can be bitter and hurt about it, which is a core Gen X value, you know. Although Gen Xers and millennials get offended in different ways. Um, being offended is sort of the millennials occupation. You're like punching the clock and doing eight or nine hours a day on that as a millennial. But like yeah. Gen Xers, it's sort of uh, I don't know. It it still happens, but it it gets carried out differently. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's it's the difference between temper tantrum and pouting. Gen yeah. X pouts, millennials throw temper tantrums. Yeah, and the temper tantrums are almost like part of the entertainment for them. You know, like if you're not getting offended by a show or a movie in some way, like it's almost not as fun as a millennial. <laughs> but I feel like as a Gen Xer, you're kind of getting... You're getting indignant about different things. It's like life that that make existential things make you indignant. Where yeah, where I yeah, I I feel like Gen X by and large could just be summed up with like Eeyore. There's just sort of a like, well, that happened again. You know, we get forgot yes. forgotten again. So it's yeah. not like it's not it's not outrage offended. It's yeah. uh, it's almost like just waiting for the other shoe to drop, and then when it drops or is perceived yeah. to drop, you're like, well, on brand. That's what that's what we expected. Yeah, exactly. Where's the millennial? You're kind of like, you know, combing through the article that somebody sent for a, a way to become offended or, you know, you're you're looking for the problematic thing in a show or a movie. And this is sort of the entertaining thing to talk about. Um, I so I was talking about generational movies uh, with two of my colleagues, um, actually three of my colleagues, two of whom are listeners. Um, Shout out Rachel and Rebecca who work work in my office. They're uh, professors at Union and they love the show. And we were talking about um, this. And our third colleague, Chris, is a little older than me. And he indicated that for him, La La Land is sort of the, the uh, I don't know, I, I guess the, the emblematic millennial movie. So... And it was interesting in that the moment he said it, I agreed, but I hadn't thought of it previously. Like, where are you at on La La Land as a, like, millennial time capsule? Hmm. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. But so I will say this. That is a movie that does not hold up. I The first yeah. w- once or twice I saw it, I I loved the sort of experience of it. Yeah. But, you know, you rewatch a movie and you're you're kind of going for depth. You know, what's... Yeah. What's the what's behind the the flash? What's the yeah. substance behind the flash? And there's not a lot there. It's a right. is a pretty depressing, shallow, meaningless worldview <laughs> with with char- with with that sort of like you know I think you you described there's you described it as self conscious storytelling mm-hmm. in the in the last episode that idea of just sort of like very aware of stage in life and 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 yeah. what you are it's a little bit, it's a little bit allegorical. Almost every character Mm -hmm. is a, is a caricature. Yeah. And it definitely has that vibe. And then it ends up in a place that's like utterly unsatisfying. Uh And I think you're supposed to sort of 
like wink, wink, nudge, nudge at that. And it's sort of like, aren't we clever for not landing this plane kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it in terms of time capsule, but as I think through all those different elements, I'm like, yeah, those are, those are pretty, pretty millennial traits in terms of, in terms of how, uh, you know, the, the people themselves or ourselves, since I'm technically one of them. Yeah. And as well as, as well as the style of movie making, what was, you, you said your coworker's name was Chris. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. What was Chris's take on why it was a millennial movie? Um, so two things. <laughs> One was that like each character's dreams were grandiose, right? And even their fallbacks were grandiose. Like like the the Gosling character was like, I want to be an amazing jazz musician. And then his fallback was like, I want to open a super amazing and sexy like jazz club. <laughs> and it it struck Can- Chris as like these these are like distinctly millennial sorts of dreams yes right absolutely um, kind of working for yourself being famous can i go can i go 30 seconds on la la land and jazz oh please yeah i've do. probably done this on this show it might have just been something i yelled at to somebody uh yelled about to somebody at one point but even la la land's take on jazz is millennial because i think they treat it like an ironic art form yeah it's the kind of thing like nobody actually likes jazz but right. this one weirdo is really into it yeah and yeah. and and the way they talk like their efforts at making him look like a jazz fan are mm-hmm. are similar to like it's like listening to Ronnie try to describe a sports fan. Yeah, that's true. It, it, you know, it sort of has that sports ball vibe to it. And like yeah. as an actual jazz fan, uh-huh. I I mean, I wasn't offended because it's not a moral thing and I'm not that millennial. I was kind of disgusted. Yeah. I was like this is this is so uh, what's a word that's not profane? I don't know another way to say half. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go half baked. Yeah, Just there you fill go. Fill in the blank there. And <laughs> there uh, you go. Yeah, it just it was so pathetic. So even that is distinctly millennial in that they were. It, it felt like in in retrospect, it felt like a tongue in cheek, wink wink, ironic take on a thing that's actually historical and substantive and a pretty remarkable art form that they did absolutely no justice to whatsoever. That's really fascinating. I have a thing about that, but I want to say Chris's second thing on millennials first. Um, but I, but I want to get back to that. So his second thing vis-a-vis La La Land being a millennial movie was the whole idea that like the characters were so busy like gazing at themselves that they couldn't for a moment like gaze at each other long enough to make the relationship work. You know what I mean? It was sort of like, it was the motif of we're two hot people who are ragingly kind of self-obsessed who come together for a moment. So actually the ending of them not being able to make it work due to essentially not being able to sacrifice anything for each other was... I don't know, on one level depressing, but on another level, like really honest, you know, um, and really true to who the characters were, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, that struck him at a, at a kind of very millennial level as well. And we're painting with broad brushstrokes here. That isn't obviously everybody. The other piece of it that, that is distinctly millennial is the, their, the way that they 
they misrepresented having your dreams fall apart. Mm. So, you know, the Ryan Gosling character wants to be a star jazz musician. Then he ends up doing the sellout thing and joining this pop band. Yeah. Which, I mean, being in Nashville and watching people try to take, uh, chase artistic dreams like that. Ha- yeah, that's what that's how people make money. Sure. They do. Yeah. They do sellout stuff, quote right. unquote, which in reality is just fiscally responsible stuff. Yeah. But they don't go from there to start a jazz club. They go from there to working for Edward. You know, what is it? Edward James and doing like financial advising or something totally. like that. Like, yeah, they, they become a realtor, you know, <laughs> they realize I can't have relationships and be on the road all the time. So I'm going to quit that. And right. yeah, and, and do realty or, or do financial advising or, right. you or know, become a general contractor, or right, or whatever, right. yeah. you know, or bec- become a worship leader. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and so even that they misrepresented because they like, they, they obviously caricaturized the sellout part. And I'm like, okay, that's actually not that far from reality. Um, yeah. But then, but then the move from that to, to owning a jazz club, I'm like, no, that doesn't happen. Right. You go from there to settling into a life where you have fond memories of being on the road. You occasionally, it's, it's like being a former athlete. Sometimes yeah, you miss it. That's right. Most of the time you're like, my life is a little bit better now. And, uh, and I'm actually able to like see kids and love a wife and, and various yeah. things that I couldn't do when I was on the road 200 days a year. See, I would watch a movie about that. Like that energy is really interesting to me right now. And it kind of has been for over a decade. But yeah, La La Land almost got there, but but you're right. To your point, they could they completely whiffed on it. In the sense that like his fallback was still eighty five percent more sexy than what most people have to do. Just just to make it in life, you know. Um yeah, I mean it's sort of like you take a swing at being a writer for a decade and a half, and then you kind of end up becoming a college professor, which is great in the sense that, like, I get to talk about the thing that I love. I still get to do it from time to time. But it, is, it isn't this sort of, you know, I'm in my little writer's garret in Paris, like, um, you know, gazing out the window waiting to be inspired, you know? And, um, yeah, the, the, the movie... I, th- I think, though, it explains why so many young people love the movie. There's a lot of wish fulfillment in it. Um, you know, you're, you're hot enough and charismatic enough to sort of draw the interest of, of, of someone at an equal level. You're pursuing these dreams, all of which are very sexy. Um, I would have loved La La Land if I saw it at 22. Um, in the same way that I loved you know, whatever the dumb movies were when I was 22, the movies that sort of masqueraded as thoughtful, um, which is a very kind of nineties motif. It's a, it's actually a very gen X motif, like the whole like faux depth thing. Um, I think it's gen X society, for example. Oh my gosh. Yes. Dead <laughs> poet society fight club. These are in like the, the fake deep hall of fame for me. Um, they're just really stupid things masquerading as smart things. And we did a brisk business in that in the 90s. So I, I want to go back to your jazz thing. Um, the same director that directed La La Land actually, to me, directed the true and better La La Land a few years previous, and it was the movie Whiplash. Um, have you seen the movie Whiplash? No, I, I haven't. Um, I, 
it's on my list of things that I would like to watch. I'm aware of the gist of it. I I love the key, you know, that was is it J.K. Simmons? Is that the J.K. Simmons? Yeah. Yeah. He he's just a sneaky, brilliant actor. Um, no, but I haven't seen it yet. I would like to. Dude, it's J.K. Simmons and it's Miles Teller from Top Gun Maverick, but yeah. a young Miles Teller. And the premise is and they, they're both really broken, flawed characters. Okay, so like just right from the jump, you have two characters that are way more interesting than the two characters in La La Land. So Miles Teller's character wants to become the world's greatest jazz drummer. And he wants this, and you can tell immediately, he wants it to almost a sociopathic degree. Like he's really, it transcends just being thirsty for it. Like he, he has to have this. And so then he bumps up against this J.K. Simmons character who's sort of the uh, also sociopathic coach, but the sociopathic coach who can unlock all your potential. And at the end, you go, was the end worth the means? And in that, it's a really fascinating character study. It's a really interesting study of dreams and ambition and you know, arriving at the thing that you thought you always wanted and finding it to be another thing entirely. I don't know. I just think it's a really brilliant movie. And yet La La Land is the movie of Damien Chazelle's that everybody has watched and talked about. Um, and I think the previous movie that you're, you're way more of a jazz fan than I am. So you would have to speak to this in a way that I couldn't, but I think the first movie does a lot more justice to, the idea of jazz, the idea of being good at jazz, it does more justice to it than La La Land. Well, it, I don't think I ever would have watched it as a, uh, as a juxtaposition to La La Land, but now I'm even more intrigued. Um, I, I, will, I will definitely check it out. Yeah, I, it's striking to hear you uh, describe, describe the, uh, the outcome of, of uh, Whiplash because one of the worst aspects of La La Land is that there was no consequence to their terrible choices. That's right. You know, every yeah. terrible choice just, just led them to, oh, just diverging paths. Right. As opposed to, was the end worth the means? Yeah, that's it. it and it like, it makes me wonder though, is La La Land the creative sellout for Damien? What's his face? Yeah. Like is, is, is it sort of a, uh, is it kind of like his is he ironically winking at the audience through the whole masquerade of La La Land when his actual good work <laughs> is the other movie? So that's a, that's a really interesting question, Pipe. And the way that I've heard the story told is actually the inverse of what you just said. Like essentially Whiplash was this sort of short film that became a low budget um you know kind of uh, indie film darling that put Chazelle on the map so that he could make La La Land which doesn't make sense because Whiplash is the much better movie so uh, apparently there was something really meaningful for him in La La Land although to your point there were no consequences for the characters the only consequence was they didn't get to be together, but like any sort of adult viewing of the movie would suggest that they weren't going to make it anyway. Like in, even if they had ended up together in the third act, you gave it like 
six months tops, you know, because we've all known relationships like that. I mean, it's why in Nashville, and you speak to this as a Nashville resident. I'd be interested to hear you on this. I feel like in Nashville, the only couples that make it are the couples where there's a super uh, self-centered kind of poncy artistic one. That person always has to be paired with sort of a grounded normal person in order for the relationship to work. But if you have two super poncy, self-obsessed, fame-chasing, performative people in a relationship, it almost never works. And that's what we were working with in La La Land. Your thoughts on that? What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Yeah, I, as a caricature, it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, there's, I, I know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of musicians who, or the other option is there's fame chasing and whatever. And then there's what I described earlier where you, the, the cost becomes not worth it and they step away. Yeah. And so you meet a couple who's just standard middle-class suburban or whatever. Yeah, They've got, you know, a kid in first grade and a kid in third grade. And you come to find out as you get to know them, like, oh, you used to tour as the drummer for X. Yeah. Or, oh, you were the you were a session guitar player who's played on all these albums or whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah, it so the, the key ingredient is that somebody, somebody anchors this thing in realism and humility. Yeah. And so if somebody is still maintaining that that sort of fame chasing whatever. Yeah. The other person must counterbalance them or they counterbalance themselves where they do that for a while and they step away. But it, yeah, it doesn't, you don't see very many, like the glamour couples are, are fireworks, you know, they're, yeah. they're bright, they're glittery, and then they're, they're gone in a puff of smoke. So the first type of person you described, I think is actually the type of person that I'm the most interested in right now in that, like being the session guitarist, for whomever or being the touring drummer for whomever that's really impressive and like the more i've been around and like trying to be a writer for the last 25 years and you know this too because you've done it you know how hard it is to make it at all at any level so like ascending to a level where you were the you know the touring drummer for whomever like that's a really huge deal but then kind of having the dignity and the sort of self-sacrificial gene to the degree that you can step away from it and go, it's more important that I see my kids grow up or it's more important that I provide some sort of a stable life for my family. I really find that respectable. Like I'm really drawn to that kind of person. And it's almost more ridiculous to meet somebody in late middle age who's still so thirsty for the fame. Um, <laughs> there seems to be almost something developmental about it that, that didn't work, you know? 
Well, um, a, a lot of this, I mean, obviously the, the world in, that I inhabit is, is very Christian, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I work at a sure. church that the majority of my circle, closer circle are Christians. And so that, that, but what's telling about that is that the people who I'm aware of who have done this well have been rooted in a, a Christian identity. And so yeah. their values are weighed very differently and, and almost, almost without exception, what they say is they they look at the older guys or women these usually guys who are still mm-hmm. these touring musicians in their in their late 40s their 50s they're on their third marriage they they often yeah. have substance abuse habits they have they're dealing with depression they're whatever and it's it's basically an addiction to the to that kind of work yeah and so at 30 they looked at those guys and were like i do not want that life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so and so there's, but they see it differently because they're not just seeing possibilities. They're looking at cost in light of Christian values, you know, mm-hmm. humility and family and faithfulness and, 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 you know, availability to your church and, and community and whatever. Right. Yeah. And so Christianity, like the, the Christian uh, solidity yeah, makes a massive difference in this because otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, when people step off the road, it's not it's not with humility. It's more out of like, fine, I yeah. guess I guess I have to do this. And so there's almost like resentment. There's that pining away. Yeah. The guys who I know who have done it, they don't pine away. They have fond right. memories. So they, right. they talk about being on the road the way I talk about high school football. Right. It yeah. is a past era. It was a blast. There's no possibility of going back. Yeah. And uh, but man, fun stories to tell. Really good experiences. Had a great time doing it, those kinds of things. Yeah, man, that's so good. And it's such a good word. And it's such a good reminder that whatever our dreams and aspirations are, like it's not bad to have them. But as we grow in the Lord, as we grow in sanctification, as you know, the Holy Spirit is changing our hearts and our desires, like our life is going to look different. And it actually should look different. And, you know, for every kind of unicornish person that the Lord, you know, calls to a more public life and who the Lord allows to have some measure of fame or or platform or whatever, you know, there there are probably 50 of us who shouldn't have that. And our our lives become exercises in appreciating the good things that the Lord has given us that aren't our dreams. And that can actually be really rich if you allow it to be, um, which is a good, a good note to end on, on my birthday pipe. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself at this point. Um, but this was really fun, man. We should close it and then we should tape a Patreon. And in between, I'll tell the funny publishing story. Um, pipe, we've done what we always do in this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout a couple of topics. And until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hello, hello. Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. 
Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word, one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.